I know we're all like, when a magic player has a child, you think, oh, this is this is pretty dangerous. I mean, like, we, we probably shouldn't allow that. It's not safe, but... Hey, everybody. It's your boys, Elijah Samuelson. And Spencer Cook. And we're back with another episode of EDH Another Takes. legit I was trying to channel my, uh, my Michael D. Lynch there. Yeah. Because he's, he's very charismatic, and I want to be like that. <laughs> What's the, what's the thing they say? Uh, come back for the spice every 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 other Friday well, or whatever. Yeah, not anymore. They don't. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. Uh, so we got a we got a special topic here today because if you guys don't know, um, I mean we kind of we we come up with stuff together, but it's not it's not often that that Spencer takes the reins on the topic idea. I'll talk about anything, but I don't come up with the topic. Because because I'm kind of like that guy, like that. You ever have that friend that's like, oh, I'm the idea man, and they come up with like a bunch of ideas, but then never do any of the work, and then they act like they're contributing. <laughs> Base. That's what I do here. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but go yeah. Ahead. So, anyways, yeah. So this is a uh, this is something Spencer wanted to talk about. So you want to introduce it a little bit, Spencer? Yeah. So the uh, the setup for this episode is. Um, a good friend of mine who is uh, kind of getting into magic, um, more so, you know, playing some some cards with his roommates and stuff like that. He asked me to build a deck for him based around just, you know something he wants. He want he wanted to make it a you know a samurai deck because he really likes that lore and stuff. And he's like Spencer, I'm not very good at building a deck. I don't really know what I'm doing. Maybe you could put a list together for me. And it got me thinking about you know this topic that I've wanted to do for a long time, which is like how to build a deck. But not, this isn't like a deck building template like you've seen from, you know, other podcasts and stuff. This is more like questions that go into helping yourself figure out how you want to build your deck. So the idea more along, goes along with these lines is like there's like a couple steps you take when you're building a deck. And you ask yourself certain questions that, and when you answer them, it it helps you make a deck that, you know, is, is what you want it to be. Because I've definitely, Eli, I've definitely made decks where I built them, and I, they they come together, but they don't feel like they do what I wanted, what I set out for them to do. Yeah, I think this process is more about figuring out what you want to do and how you want to do it. Exactly. So yeah, we came up with a, with a few steps, and there's going to be questions you ask yourself as you go through the steps. Yep. And maybe, you know, it's a lot of times when you're building a deck without thinking about these things, you know, they may come up. But I think it's it's just uh, a good to be aware of um, what options you have in deck building because there are questions that you can ask yourself that will pull you in you know diametrically opposed directions, um, and we'll get to that you know coming up I suppose. Yeah, because like you were saying, uh, I think a lot of other shows will have a deck building template like the Command Zone especially kind of pioneered that. I think they were the first to really do that and say maybe you should play ten ramp sources, ten card draw. 10 spot removal. My god, people are 10 plus spot removal is the is the template is, is, thing now. Yeah, yeah. 15, 20. Oh my god. Yeah. It's uh it's obscene. Maybe a little high for our for our britches, but we're that's not what we're doing today. We're not going to give you ratios or, you know, card types that you need to play. I mean, we will obviously recommend some of the obvious things, but yeah, uh, we'll mention some cards, but yeah. So, to start off, the first step in making a deck is to start with a deck idea and what that means is um you know just as an example it's probably best to go by examples so in a deck idea could be 
you know, some concept for a deck. Um, maybe it is a permanent type. Maybe you want to make like, so maybe you want to make like an artifact deck. Maybe you want like a tribal deck. It can also be something a little bit more abstract. Like, you know, I know people have done the classic women looking to the left deck. That is an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Eli, do you have any decks that are like built off of an idea versus like a, that's not as simple as like tribal or like a, like a enchanter's theme or something? Yeah. So I think you and I have a, have this in common where we're more likely to build off of a, a theme or something we want to do than to build off of the commander. So I have, most of my decks are kind of just like, I want to play a deck full of these big burly men, the ch- the Chumbo deck, yeah. or I want to build a Boros Hate Bears deck. Exactly. And then, so I pick the theme, and then the commander is kind of just whatever facilitates that theme the best. And um, so, so that's how I think we would go about it. But at the same time, I think you could go from the angle of, Oh, this commander looks really cool. I want to build a deck around that, and so that's that. That's the idea of it. Yeah, like um, like a, some good examples other than what I've said that aren't just like card types is I know Josh Lee Kwai has his Tim deck, um, Commander Replay has his Tap Creature type Tribal deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I didn't uh, have this deck for a long time, but I made a River Hoopoo Tribal deck, which was based off of um, the creatures that had. Um, activate abilities that, you know, four or five mana draw a card, and it was based, not to go into it, but, you know, an idea mm-hmm. of something that you want to do. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, Eli, the idea of, like, um, picking a commander for that idea is actually our step two. After you've got an idea for what you want, um, you need to pick a commander to facilitate your idea. And and that can kind of be step one. Like, your step one might be, like, I want to play this commander, Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's the case, then these are yeah, kind so of the they're kind of intertwined a little bit. But I think from from our perspective, that the commander is more of a, a secondary thought. Yeah, um, or or it it could be the, the primary thought, but you really should go back and think about what you want. To, you know, you reevaluate like what am I like? If you're like, oh, this commander's really cool, and then you go back and be like, okay, what do I want to do? And then you kind of approach it from that level first, and you'd be like, okay, wait, is this commander still what it still fit what I want to do? Yeah, so like. For me, the uh, the Boros Hate Bears deck, I had a mono white deck that I felt just wasn't aggressive enough, and so I wanted to make a Boros deck with a similar like Hate Bear theme. So I thought, well, what are Hate Bears? They're usually two mana creatures with some kind of static ability that hampers your opponents. And I thought, what would be a good commander to facilitate this idea? And this was around the time that uh, the return to return to Ravnica. Exactly. I always yes. I always forget the. Uh, the Ravnica name Legions, of the set. yeah, Allegiance. Uh, and uh, so they had Tajik Legion's Edge, and initially when he came out, I thought he was kind of kind of shitty. But playing him in the Hate Bears deck, it's just consistently you're able to play a two mana Hate Bear on two, and then turn three you play Tajik, and his Mentor ability actually sort of acts like a slow acting Anthem onto your Hate Bears, and just gives them enough punch to actually be impactful. In combat. Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, you have that theme that you decide that you want to play, and then you're like, okay, this commander kind of works in a cool way with this theme to facilitate it somehow. Or maybe even not facilitate it, but add to it, right? Yeah. Like, because it doesn't make, it doesn't, like, make the hate bears, like, more hate bears, but it does, like, make them bigger creatures or, you know, let you hit, hit with them and stuff, so that's cool. Yeah, because I think oftentimes the uh, the idea of picking your commander off the theme, people would think... Well, I want to make this tribal deck, so I need to have a creature 
that either is the tribe or specifically does something with the yeah. tribe. Yeah, so I think a good example of, of not going that direction is... So there's... I mean, so you know, that, that like, that uh, River Hoopoo tribal I was talking about earlier, which, you know, you know Azure Mage, Spectral Sailor, cards like that, right? Um, the obvious, you know, card for that would be Thrasios, right? Because Thrasios is that effect in the command zone. Like, mm-hmm. the four-mana draw a card, um, maybe put a land into play. But the, the, the angle I went with it was... I decide, so it's it's a bit of an abstract theme here, but so the idea is if you're playing like a, a Azure Mage River Hoopoo type card, you want to be holding up your mana on other people's turns to activate it. Maybe, um, maybe play like a uh, Untap All Your Lands kind of like Wilderless Reclamation or Seaborn Muse kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you can do it multiple times. And I got me to thinking, what's a what's a cool way that I can you know not spend my mana on my turn and hold up mana on my opponent's turns, and I decided to go with Kadena Slinking Sorcerer and play a morph kind of build because Kadena allows you to play morph creatures for free um, for zero mana once a turn, and then you hold up your morph abilities, your unmorph abilities, whether they be counter spells, board wipes, value, something like that, and then you're able to, if not, if, you know, it's not necessary, you can, um, you know, just, just draw your cards with your edge or mage effects. And that was the idea... For a commander that facilitated something that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. so that's that's a, that's a really interesting, you know, kind of way to approach it. I know Eli, like you were saying a moment ago, we're not big fans of like the I want to play a, you know, I want to play a elf deck, so my commander has to be an elf, right? Like, yeah, it, 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 I mean, not necessarily tribal, but like I want to play an equipment deck, my commander has to care about equipments. So that's not necessarily the case. You could play an equipment deck and have your commander just be a, you know, a source of of card draw through something else, right, or whatever. Yeah, my, uh, probably my number one thing I think about when building a commander deck, I mean, aside from a select couple of decks I have, is what I want the mana curve to look like, and the commander plays a big part in that. That is a big, big so thing. So I'll, I'll talk more about that in uh, one of our later steps, but uh, that's that informs a lot of my decision on, on what kind of commander I'm going to play. Because, like, in the Hate Bear deck, you have tons of two drops, so you can... Play a two drop on two, or you can play two two drops on four. Yeah. But playing a two drop on three and then having an extra mana open, it's just I, I hate doing that. That feels really incredibly awkward to me. So mm-hmm. Well then why don't we say we move on to the third step here, which um and you you might disagree with um the order of the steps and stuff like that, but whatever, it's just what we're going with. Mm-hmm. And the third step is decide how you want to win. And this another way you can word this is what is your game plan? I suppose um, some decks, you know, they want to win through value. You know, outvaluing your opponents. I believe Josh Lee Kwai, um coined this in one of his famous episodes as a boa constrictor deck or something like that. Oh yeah, I remember if you that. Recall yeah. that. Um, yeah. I don't. I'm not a big fan of that that term, but it, the idea is you you assemble some sort of engine or, or uh, you know, you outvalue your opponents until they don't have resources enough to deal with you. Um, that's one way you can try to win. Another way is, obviously, some sort of infinite combo. Um, maybe a big mana spell that will, you know, deal X damage each player. You know, there's there's countless ways to win, but you need to come up with, like, something that your deck tries to do. Just imagine you're going up to Josh at a Grand Prix, and you want to play a game, and immediately... He whips out the boa constrictor. The boa constrictor and just starts strangling you in the venue. That'd be terrifying. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, um, so I think uh, the reason we put this in this order is I feel like your commander 
really uh, can inform how you want to win. Because for me, like I have multiple decks where I feel like the uh, the win condition is just chipping in with the commander. Like, like your uh, your Gisela deck, right? Yeah, like especially in those boa constrictor value decks. Yeah, <laughs> the the value is in the deck. Yeah. So for me, I don't feel like I need to have that consistently in the command zone if it's redundant enough within my ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I want to have a win condition out of my command zone. Um, yeah, and and I know your feather deck, Eli. Like like it is kind of similar in that where it's like a value like out resource and kind of like out temple your opponents kind of thing. But the way that you end up winning in that deck eventually is just being able to, you know, your, your perforos kind of things, right? Where like you can, you end up getting to a point where you get, you know, you get that ability to just kill people um, over time because they can't stop you enough. Yeah, or the the odd infinite combo, and I gotta confess, yeah, I don't play very many combo decks, but that's that's, that's kind of one of them, and and I think that's facilitated because it is that's it's a value deck, and you're just able to draw into combo pieces easier. Yeah. And there's a couple tutors, but that's not really like the point of it. Yeah, so you know, maybe your game plan is I want to be a I want to you know Voltron commander damage people down, or maybe your game plan is I'm just gonna go wide, or maybe my game plan is, uh, um, you know, do like a one sided board wipe and try to get people dead or something like that. Whatever you know, it can be a lot of things that you're trying to do, but this is kind of where you decide, um, your main win condition and you can have multiple like ways that you ways that you can potentially win in your deck but i think you probably want to think of like what's what's the main way you can win so like for example my anji deck um it's got two kind of main ways to win built into it there are technically a couple other ways you can win but the two main ways are you know with sort of a um sir conrad kind of uh you know deal a million damage people with sir conrad kind of effects and the other way to win is a living death kind of thing with a um, card that gives haste to all my creatures and I'm able to just attack with a bunch of like dumb madness creatures and kill people like that. Mm-hmm. So there's two main win cons in that deck that the deck whole deck is kind of built around. And so, yeah, that's kind of the, the approach I think you should take or the approach that we like to take, I suppose. Yeah, and I think this is something you decide based off of the first two steps, figuring out like what what your deck is good at or what resources your deck is good at generating. Like if you have a deck that can generate a lot of mana and card advantage, then you're maybe not winning through creature damage. Or if you're playing a deck that like the hate bear deck that uses like gets advantage through creatures on the board, your win condition is probably combat damage. Yeah. Or even like, you know, if if you're like, for example, your hate bears deck gets chip damage in early, right? Maybe your win con could actually be like, a little bit of burn at the end or something, or maybe one big, like, insurrection kind of effect. Um, not insurrection, but the six-mana one I know you play in there. Uh, mob rule. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be like, okay, you take 20 and now you're dead, right? Yeah. So, it's, you know, you kind of build your game plan around that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what do you say we move on to the final step, step four? And this is kind of a big one. <laughs> yeah, the big one. Um, so this is, this is kind of similar to uh, step one, but uh, getting more specific about it, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. This is... What key things do you want to do, and at what point do you want to do them? And what that means is, um, for ex- just to use some of the decks we've been talking about as an example, your uh, Hate Bear Sajik deck wants to play a Hate Bear, and specifically you want to play a Hate Bear on turn one or two. So that's the what thing do you want to do, and when do you want to do it? Permission to be cringe. Yeah. I'm going to say the rhyme again. Yeah. So there's a there's a play pattern that I really want to have happen in that deck, and it's 
It's one drop, two drop, three drop, you drop. Because <laughs> if you're able to run out like like a turn one, like a two one, or even like like best case scenario, like a Sarah ascendant into a, a good like hate bearer two drop into Tajik, and then the next turn, it's a lot of damage. Like yeah. it really like it doesn't seem like it would be, but uh, it's uh, it, it's a lot. I it, think I've I think I've done the uh, the math before on like the best case scenario, like turn four damage with like. With like the nut draw, like I, I think that actually it might be possible. It might be possible. Yeah, hell yeah, it might be possible to drop somebody. Well, some other um, ideas of you know, to to kind of exemplify this: uh, what things you want to do and when you want to do them. Maybe um, I have decided that I want to make a you know kind of mid rangey scarab god deck, right? And my what I want to do is I want to reanimate a creature with scarab god. And when do I want to do it? It's my Monday. I want it now. No, you want to do it as much as possible. So, you know, that could be a, a, a thing that informs your decisions. Um, another one is maybe you want to blow up the board with Sarolf, the wolf uh, commander from Gol- the Golgari commander. You want to, like, something you want to make sure happens in a game is, I want to blow up the board with Sarolf. That's something I want to do. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then one more is, like, uh, maybe you want to attack with a Rafik for, uh, you know, 20 damage or 10 damage or something, right? And all the things we just listed there seem like very reasonable expectations. They're not, I want to combo out and win the game. I want to destroy my opponents. Yeah. It's just like one thing that's going to make you happy that you want to achieve. And and like I said, it doesn't seem very complicated, but people are going to interact with you, and you want to be able to do your thing. Yeah, like another example, uh, just to, you know, give another one, I suppose. Um, you know, like the lieutenant, um, lieutenant uh, commanders or creatures that, like, do something when your commander's in play... Um, I think that's Lieutenant, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, maybe you want to play a two-mana commander and then play the three-mana black or, you know, blue Lieutenant commanders and trigger their ability on turn three, whether that's draw a card or, or deal three to each opponent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that these, like, small goals is important is because these will inform your deck building in the future. So, for example, if your goal, Eli, is to play a, you know, play a... Um, hate bear creature on turn two and then your commander on turn three doesn't seem like you're going to be playing two mana mana rocks is it oh yeah so that that's the the big part of step four is like once you've decided what you want to do it lets you decide how you want to incorporate the important things of you know mana mana ramp uh, card draw stuff like that into your deck yeah and if your goal is very specific that's okay but i think it's probably better to have a broad goal gonna lead you to a better experience if you have a broad goal that's easy to attain like like in the tajik deck the deck has so many hate bears and it has the uh the commanders in the command zone so for me to say i want to go two drop into tajik that's almost never not going to happen. Yeah. Like, if I mulligan correctly, like, that's something that I can have happen every game and feel good. Even something simple like, I want to play my commander on turn... turn. I wanna, oh, sorry, I want to play my four-drop commander, right? Well, what that informs you is, like, you play two-mana ramp into, you know, your four-drop commander on three. Like, that's a deck-building, like, thing to aim a goal. Um, or maybe you want to play, like, a two-mana commander on turn two. It means you probably don't want to play as many or maybe even any two-mana rocks, right? Mm-hmm. So and and you still can play two mana rocks and stuff. Um, an example of this um, that I've used myself is I have a um, Tana and Ishai four color partners deck, and you know Tana is four mana uh, green and uh, green and red, and Ishai is four mana and white and blue. And I need to facilitate my deck in such a way where, um, well, the, my my goal is I want to play one of those on turn three, 
right? So I can have my choice based on what the board's like, what my hand's like. And the way you do that is you got to make sure your mana's good. And the way I do that is I play a ton of um, Signets, because the only way that you can, like, really have the option to play either of them on turn three is if you're able to do, like... I mean, you could have, you know, just really lucky with, like, your mana base, or Signets do a really good job of filtering into, um, you know, the mana you need. Mm -hmm. So... That's a, just an idea for what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I know there's a, a little discourse about uh, two mana ramp being a little like overrated lately, or like we even there's this video that maybe we'll reference sometimes, but I don't know if it was very popular. But remember that video we watched, Spencer, where the guy was like memeing on like, oh, turn two rock, turn three, play my four mana commander, yeah. I win the game, and and acting like that's that's how people see it, and that's not how we see it. It's just. It feels good. You do it because it feels good. And that's something you want to do. It's so clean, too. Like, what's more clean than Sakura Tribe Elder into Marin, right? Like, that's clean. Oh, my God. It that's feels, so clean. It's satisfying, and you feel good when it happens, and, and that can be one of your goals. Yeah. Um, and it's harder to um, it's harder to count on, like, you know, Soul Ring on turn one into something else on, like, you know, turn two or three. But something as easy as like two mana ramp into four drop commander on three like that you can you can get that to happen over you know 50 percent of the time pretty easily oh yeah because if i'm playing like i have i have three three color decks yeah. where i have four mana commanders and that's one of my goals is to play them on turn three and like you were saying you have your four color deck if you're in three or four colors you can play like 10 plus two mana mana rocks yeah. or ramp sources i think you have a two color deck that plays more than 10 yeah yeah um <laughs> But, so, I think maybe we should we'd take take a moment and uh, approach the different ways that you're able to, cause, to, 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 to uh, mana ramp and card draw. Because the, the one thing that, that you'll always hear about with deck building templates is mana ramp and card draw, mana ramp and card draw, mana ramp and card draw. And, you know, we're not so hipsters that we're going to be like, no, you don't need mana ramp and card draw. Like, obviously you do, right? Yeah. But, like we were saying earlier... Your goals in the game and your key things you want to do and when you want to do them does inform what type of mana ramp and what type of card draw you play in your deck, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, Eli, um, you, you know you don't you don't really play much mana ramp in your in your Hate Bears Tajik deck, but the ones you play are of a you know a style that fits more with the deck. So I think, for example, you have Legion's Landing in there, and I don't know if you have Curse I, of Opulence. I, yep, you... I have Curse of Opulence, Legion's Landing, um... Ancient Tomb? What's the, uh... Maybe the, not. The, the two drop that... I don't have Ancient Tomb, but is okay. it, uh... Storm... No, not, not... The, uh... The guy that gets counters and you remove three mm, counters yes, to get Kiln, three. Kiln Artisan... Or something Artisan? I know what you're talking about. I'll put it on screen. Whatever the card's name is. Yeah, I was just looking at it the other... I don't know, I'm blanking on it right now, but... Anyway, it doesn't have very many, though. It doesn't have, like, ten cards like this. Yeah. To my recollection, at least. Like, I've... Yeah, I like, made, three or four, maybe. I make, I make adjustments to the deck pretty often, but it's not something that... It's not like I, I play one of these cards, and I'm like, oh, I really need this mana to be able to play this thing on a certain turn. It's just like, I play these cards because they're on the theme, and they allow me to deploy more threats more quickly yeah An another example of me doing this is i play a sh i have a cheville deck and cheville wants you to kill your opponent's creatures to draw cards and i think a cool way for me to do that is to play mana dorks into edict creatures so i can you know because edict creatures will you know end up killing three you know up to three other opponents creatures and then also you know your own creatures you know maybe kill a mana dork and maybe you play like um 
Guardian Project stuff where you draw off it, or like Midnight Reaper, so you draw off your own creatures dying as well. Mm-hmm. So I do play a little bit of land ramp in there, but not like not really. You know, don't play two mana rocks. Don't play like too many like rampant growth effects. Play more mana dorks for that reason. So mm-hmm. that's a it's a cool thing. Or like we both uh, play decks with plenty of equipments, right? Yeah. The cool thing about an equipment deck and an equipment package is you can find equipments that will ramp you or equipments that will draw you cards. Yeah. So equipment tutors are just super awesome. So in our equipment decks, I think you and I, I don't know your list exactly, but we don't really play as many mana rocks in those decks because the idea is you play your creature or you know on one or two and then you're, you, you get the mana that you would normally get for mana rock on three off of like a Sword of the Animist. Right, yeah, you, something you like that. Sword of the Animist, Hearth and Home, uh, Dousing Dagger. Yeah, so many things. So let's just quickly, um, just to list a f- couple uh, things of the types of mana ramp, the different kinds of ways you can ramp in a game, um, like in different decks. We got mana dorks, we got mana rocks, we got land ramp, of course. You've got rituals. Um, do I, we talked about the last three? Maybe we want to talk about rituals for a second here. Um, like yeah, I, I think it's much more rare that you want to play a deck with rituals, but I think there's there is a place for it. Like yeah. if you're playing a very explosive deck or, or the kind of deck that's capable of like refilling its hand really easily. Yeah, or maybe like a, a Kess deck or something with flashbacks. You can do it multiple times, yeah. something like that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you can do a land based ramp, meaning like lands that will generate multiple mana. So like uh, Nykthos, Ancient Tomb, Cabal Coffers. Um, maybe like uh, Lotus Field kind of stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, like for example, in my Thalia Mono White deck, that's a deck where I'm not playing any Mana Rocks and next to no like ramp sources. Like I have some of the white ramp, like the the Ketchup ramp. Yeah. But I have this whole like kind of Weather Wayfarer package where you you tutor for something like Ancient Tomb or Nykthos or a Myriad Landscape. Yeah, or even um, what's the? I know you play like Lotus Field and stuff in there. What's the land that lets you turn it into a Thespian Stage? You can turn yeah, it into a Thespian cop- Stage. So if you play a Lotus Field, then you turn your Thespian Stage into a Lotus Field. That's like making it tap for three mana instead of one. So yeah. that's something you can do. So there's a lot of tricky stuff you can do with just your lands. I know that people really like to, uh, especially our our boy friend of the show Benny Smith. Yeah, hates Temple of the False God, but I think Temple of the False God plays a very interesting role in commander like if you're able to like look at it the right way and just add it as like an extra land in your deck Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do with and this is a ramp package or like a a ramp play pattern that you can do with just lands is uh turn three activate your myriad landscape and the next turn play your temple the false god yeah and you have six man on turn four with just lands yeah that's cool that's cool. that's that's a fun and then you play your sun titan with that six man and get back the myriad Myriad landscape very cool done it like once or twice. It feels really good, though. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple more, um, not in a category, but a couple more creative ways to uh, to do ramp or mana. You can, maybe you're playing like a, uh, a creature-based tokens deck, and you do like a druid's repository kind of thing to make mana to do ramp. Or maybe like you do the, the Josh Lee Kwai. He's the only person that ever did this. He is coined the brought back kind of... Fa- Josh Lee Kwai did this on a command zone, and no one else had done it before. Hear me out here. <laughs> You play a fetch land, then you play brought back, and it's like you're ramping in white. Oh my god, crazy! Yeah, I've seen a lot of white lists lately. Of the uh, that was a that, joke, by the way. Just doing that thing, the uh, what's the uh, the foretell one? Oh, um, what is it called? Cosmic intervention. Yeah, that's a cool way to do stuff. Yeah, so that's that's a new one. There's so there's there's play with that, but uh, I wanted to talk about uh, mana dorks for a second because you were talking about our uh, our friend that that you might be making the deck for. I I also have a deck idea that I'm throwing around mm-hmm. because 
I don't get to play a lot of three drops. So I was thinking I want to make this this five color three drops deck. That's just like it's just like all the best three drops. Yeah, because I never get to play them. They're just uh, they're they're weird on the curve. So it's, it, they they ache me out. But three you want, and, but the, you want to play them. The three and five mana slots are I consider them cringe. It's like a nails on a chalkboard thing. <laughs> yeah, perfect. But I'm thinking for that deck I would want to play a lot of mana dorks because those those are the only or one of the only ways that allow you to play. A three drop on turn two. Yeah, Matadorks, or I suppose like the one, like the auras, uh, the enchant lands. Yeah, stuff like that. So I would want to play my three drop on turn two, and then feel mm. really good about it. That's like the only thing I would want to do. Yeah. So that's good. Um, and then maybe moving on from that a little bit, we talk about the big, the big, uh, the big mama in the context of commander. And that's card advantage. Um, in within the context of what we've been talking about so far this episode, you're going to imagine, you know, if if you have, if you if you if you would guess, you'd say, we're going to talk about how the rest of your deck building, your commanders, your your goals, whatever it is, informs how you want to fit card advantage into your deck. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not always as simple as like every green deck wants to play harmonize because it's a good you know card draw spell or something, right? Or every blue deck wants to play a blue sun zenith. I think you know your 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 goals and how you you know your 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 deck ideas. You know steps one deck ideas, step two your commander, step three how you want to win, and step four what you want to do and when you want to do it. All influence what kind of card draw you put in your deck, right? Yeah, I think the uh, the kind of cards you're playing in your deck and your commander really it it really makes it depend like how much uh, how many game actions you're able to take. Based on like just what you play, how many out, cards out of your hand. you have, like yeah. out of your like starting seven and your one card a turn, like some some decks are really gonna need like a just a raw like card draw spell to kind of compensate. So like for an example of maybe when you wouldn't want card draw is maybe my game plan and my goal is to play mono white Heliod, and my goal is I want to or sorry, there's two mono white Heliods, the original Heliod that mm-hmm. that that shoot that spits out two one clerics for four mana. Maybe my goal is I. That's like all I want to do. I just want to keep making cleric tokens. If that's the case, I'm not. I don't want to spend four mana for a card draw spell. I want to make a cleric token, and that's what I'm going to spend my mana on. So in that case, with those very specific goals in mind, you probably wouldn't want to do the same card draw that you know other players would do in most normal decks, right? Yeah, or like the. Uh, I'm going to bring it back again. The uh, the Tajik deck. One of the ideas of that as an aggro deck is I understand. As somebody who's played aggro for a long time, the weaknesses and the pitfalls of that. And one of the main weaknesses is getting blown out by a well-timed board wipe. So the idea of that deck is to pressure a board wipe with by putting enough damage on the board that somebody has to board wipe you at a time where you're really not losing that many cards. Yeah. So I want to be able to pressure a board wipe by just playing like two low CMC creatures and my commander. And then turn like my four drops in that deck or like anything over four mana is either extremely impactful or something that doesn't get swept away in a board wipe. It's like Planeswalkers at 4 mana or the the gods that are indestructible. Yeah. Or I know you also play um, a, a nice package of uh, lands that have activated abilities that do things um, that let you spend your mana without committing to the board. Yeah. So like War Room or um, uh, what, what are the lands that make uh, uh, The castles. Yeah, the castles and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like an example from me um, talking about this, this different kinds of ways that you can get card advantage or draw cards in your decks. Um, I'm I'm in the process of building a, um, a partner deck with Tevish Zot. And Tevish Zot has a minus ability 
I think it's minus one. Maybe actually plus one. I think it's actually plus one. Never mind. Yeah. Um, it's a plus, plus one. Plus one to sacrifice a creature and draw two cards. And if that sacrifice creature was a commander, you draw three cards instead. So if if my game plan is to play Tevish Zot on turn four or, you know, whatever, at some point in the game, um, the card advantage that I, I build into my deck, I might not even need to play, like, any or very much at all if I just... my If my game plan is to have, like, a one-drop or two-drop creature that I can sacrifice and draw two cards, like... It, it really does inform, you know, your stuff informs your, your, your decisions. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we talk about, we ran about this a lot, like, commanders that give you card draw and just how, like, how, how dumb that can be sometimes. Because, really, like, you can play that deck and probably not play any card advantage in your deck and, and you're just, yeah. like, set. And, and, you know, maybe you still do want to play some card advantage because the cards are just so good responsibly you should but you don't have to like, but, yeah. like if you play you know if you play like a tevish zot deck maybe you get 10 you know extra slots in your deck for you know small creatures that have cool abilities or something that you or maybe you you could even play like a like like a blue active trees in effect you know to steal someone's commander and then sacrifice it and draw three cards yeah i think uh one of the main ideas of this episode is having to build your deck off of a very specific template I think it really restricts some of the cards that you allow yourself to play. Yeah, you have more options than maybe you would think, which is really cool. Because I think most people just want to play fun cards or things they enjoy, and if you're worried about playing 10 ramp spells and 10 card draw and 10 removal, you're losing so much space. It is a good template, though. Like, if if, if you don't know where to start and you just want to make... If you want to make a deck that functions, like... yeah. That's going to make sure your deck functions, right? It'll get you there. And, and I'm of the opinion, like, when in doubt, always just play more card advantage. Yeah. Because that's just, that's going to allow you to do things. But if you want to really dig deep into, like, oh, maybe this is a cool thing I can do, whatever. Like, you really can take all these things into consideration and change, you know, your... your if you want to challenge, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, Eli, what do you say we talk a little bit more about these... Uh, we I think we, we've written down um, some ways that you can draw cards... Um, in every color, just so... Because this is such a big point of our, our topic, is, like, this card draw, like, or card advantage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And people will say, like, what if my color doesn't have access to, you know, different multiple, like, interesting ways to draw cards? Well, we've looked at them all, and every color has a lot of ways to draw cards or otherwise generate card advantage. Yeah, a lot of different ways depending on your strategy. So I don't know how much you want to talk about each of these, but we'll at least list them, right? Yeah. So first off, we got white, um... So white is uh, is mostly a creature color. So there's a lot of good, like, creature-based card draw. Like, we got all the creatures that enter the battlefield draw a card. Now we just got a new one. So there's a... It kind of, like, uh, ties into uh, the the blink package and recursion package, too, of white. So those go hand-in-hand, but you can definitely do them separately, too. Yeah, so, like, you know, recruiter creatures and, like, you know, when things enter the battlefield draw a card kind of things... Um, you've also got, like, land tutoring, because, you know, you can get, like, the lands that will give you card advantage. White is very good at drawing lands. Yeah, so if you could do, like, uh, War Room kind of stuff, you can draw cards off that. Um, yeah, go ahead. And then these are a little more specific, like, if you're, if you want to do the equipment package, White can do that very well. It's got plenty of equipment tutors. Or, uh, White is also an enchantress color. Yeah. So if you're able to work in some kind of thing with auras, or if that's just what your plan is doing... You've got stuff like SRAM, Mace Enchantress. Yeah, like like if you're playing a like mono white or like white, you know, whatever green, you know, enchantment deck, you don't need to work very hard like and do like creature things to get your card draw. You can do the enchantment things to get your card draw, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there's a maybe 
less uh, of a variety of options in white. But you got a solid four or five. But yeah, there's there's stuff you can do. Um, and then blue. Uh, there's there's a lot to, you can do a lot in blue, right? <laughs> yeah. You got you don't need to ask. Like you don't you know it's there's there's too much stuff. But there's but we think um, depending on what your what your plan is, you have different ways to approach it. So, for example, one way that blue will uh, end up drawing cards is drawing a lot of cards at, with one spell. So, for example, if you're playing like a blue-green ramp deck, you might want to play like a, you know, X spell draw cards or something like a Seagate Restoration to draw several cards at once, right? Yeah, this is like the big mana burst all at once draw. This is the perfect kind of draw for my mono blue deck, which is a deck that makes a bunch of soul rings. Yeah, so when you have... You know, 12 mana, you can just be like, okay, I draw six cards, and then I still have, you know, some more mana to do other things, right? Yep. Um, and then, you know, kind of contrary to that, you've got the drawing kind of one at a time when things happen. Yeah, the, the incremental. Yeah. The the, the obvious being, like, Rissic Study and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you also have, like, uh, effects like Biden of Thassa or, you know, Coastal Piracy. Like, when you hit someone with the creature, you draw a card. Or some, you know, win thing, draw a card, right? Yeah. The classic. Um, do you want to talk about the next couple, Eli? Yeah, we've got the uh, some pretty efficient and uh, even multi-purpose sometimes card draw. Like uh, I really like Mystic Confluence. Um, you have the Thirst Cycle that uh, like the three mana instant speed ones, but you have to discard a card type, otherwise you discard two cards. Yeah. Um, Factor Fiction is a really good card advantage source, but also like it's just it's insane in like graveyard decks. Yeah, it feels so. These are like not like big card draw, not not like one at a time. But they're just kind of like medium amounts, and they're like efficient and do something else as well, right? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, and then you also have looting, which uh, similar to red, like you can do a lot of cool stuff with uh, like looting and then recursion. Um, but yeah, you probably don't have to lean on looting. It is very an option, often, but blue. it's probably not a thing. But you it's do a lot. it's probably pretty specific. But looting is always more efficient than just straight card draw. Yeah, because it usually doesn't co- like you put a creature into play and it doesn't cost any mana from that. Point yeah, because because looting is often not strict card advantage. Yeah, but it's uh, it's definitely card velocity and selection. Mm-hmm. So I think that's uh, and you can get that. Yeah, mind. you can get that off of like a Jace or something in your command zone, the two mana creature Jace. Yeah, and then you got a kind of similar to white. You've got a, a suite of creatures that come in and draw you one card in blue, and blue also can use the uh, the blink strategy with those cards. Yeah, so you've got stuff like uh, you know, like Trinket Auger, Mage, yeah. Augur Bolas. Um, additionally, you also have like the creatures that will draw cards in other ways. So like um. Arcanus the Omnipotent, you know, big six mana commander that will tap and draw cards. Um, there's uh, the Wizard one that you tap a Wizard draw a card. Mm-hmm. Um, Archaeologist is Mystic Archaeologist is kind of a cool card. That's yeah, like your River Hoopoo. Yeah, River Hoopoo, Spectral Sailor kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then they also have just some big dumb fatties that just draw so many cards. The classic Consecrated Sphinx, you know. So I, uh, <laughs> this is going to be kind of mean, but I, I knew somebody at the uh, old Elemental Games game shop who was just he had some really bad decks like but he had this thing this this funny weird coincidence of just almost always having like a turn one soul ring or like turn one mana vault into a very early consecrated sphinx and man you can play a lot of shitty cards when you just drop an early consecrated (laughs) sphinx it doesn't matter yeah it's just it's so many cards you know honestly a lot of sphinxes kind of fall into that category too it's kind of a theme for sphinxes to draw multiple cards yeah um Jingataxis too, yeah. Yeah, that's another one. Jingataxis is a, it's a lot of card advantage. And then the last thing, there might be more that we're missing here, but the last thing we got is wheels. Blue's got some good wheels and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, again, like uh, like the looting thing. I, I feel like in 
blue like wheels are very good but it's uh it's something you don't have to rely on so much for your strict card advantage because wheels are drawing your opponent's cards so yeah. that's kind of the downside of it usually wheels are um you know like maybe you might play that flashback wheel card and your like idea is like you can entomb it into your graveyard or something right mm-hmm. so and now we have my favorite card draw color black well the thing with black is it feels like to some extent you know, it, it is one of the best card draw colors, if not the best. Like, you can draw... I mean, I don't know what other color lets you draw 40 cards for 3 mana, right? Yeah, Necropotence is... It's gotta be, like... I don't know, man. Like, do you the, think, The like, most cards like, you can draw? Like, you got a gun. You got one bullet. You got Necropotence and Ristic Study. Which one you kill? You Which saying? one you shoot? Which one you put the bullet? Well, it depends on a lot of things, but uh, if I'm worried about someone, like, comboing off, like, they can... They can see half their deck with Necropotence, so yeah. that's that is scary. Yeah, it's an insane card. Um, so yeah, that that's our that's I'm gonna say that's our first you know black theme is like enchantments that have a, either triggered abilities to draw cards or activated abilities to draw cards. So obviously Necropotence, like you said, Eli. Yeah, you get a lot of people saying Phyrexian Arena isn't a good card anymore. I I disagree with that. I think it is a good card. I like it. It's just, uh, it's very solid, like, it's it's a slow, it's a grindy card, It's but I, I believe in Commander as an attrition game and a resource accumulation game, so I get that if you top deck it, like, later in the game, it's not great, but yeah. that's the case with a lot of cards. Um, You've also got, like, effects like Greed, which will, you know, draw you cards, um, they've got several things that do that, like, yeah, what... Yeah, Greed, Erebos, um... What, what's the, uh, Phyrexian Reclamation, stuff like that. Yeah. So, that's that's a way you can do it. Yeah, you've even just got straight spells that <coughs> draw you cards, like a Read the Bones or a Knight's Whisper. Yeah, Black's got these, like, efficient two to three mana spells that will draw cards and lose you life. And what, shout out to uh, Dana Roach, big fan of, uh, he's big. He's a big fan of those effects, friend of the show. Yep. Um, you've got a lot of black creatures that will draw, uh, draw on, like, an ETB or something like that. Or they'll, you know, draw multiple cards or, or just one, um... Uh, favorite of mine, not a really great card, but I kind of like it for personal reasons, for Phyrexian Gargantua. Oh, yeah. Six mana, 4-4 four, four, that draws two cards and enters the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Kind of epic. I love Disciple of Bolas. Yeah. That can draw an insane amount of cards, and it gains you life. It's Fair. a black card that doesn't make you lose life yep. for its thing, so that's awesome. Um, there's this whole, like, bunch of card, like, creatures that will say, like, whenever a creature dies, draw a card. Yeah. Like, what's the uh, the morph one? Uh, that's, that's one of the OGs. Not Midnight Reaper. That one is... Yeah, so a lot of things that do that. Um, and that also synergizes with, you know, other cre- other things that aren't card draw that trigger when things die. So, for example, if you're playing, like, a Marin deck or something. Or maybe some deck that wants to play, um, you know, Dictative Erebos or something like that. Or a Grave Pact. Like, that that, syner- that probably might be a kind of uh, a kind of card draw effect that you're, they lean into, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have this whole category of, like, big spells that just draw a ton of cards or just have a huge impact. We got the the bane of competitive EDH, Ad nauseum. And to some similar extent, Peer into the Abyss. I've seen that in some CDH decks as yeah. well. Yeah. And then uh, Bolus' Citadel. Of course. Oh, my God. Um, as for some worse cards, you've got, like, what is it? Dam- Damnable Pact or Demonic Pact or something? It's, like... Black, black, X, draw X cards, lose X life, or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Um, you got some random things like that. Those ones aren't usually as good as the blue ones, but they're you can do them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then you've also got this is like this this is the last kind of thing is tutors. Um, if you have like three card draw spells in your black deck, um, and you have like five tutors, you really kind of have eight card draw spells in your deck, right? Oh yeah. So black is really the only color that can tutor for anything for the most part. Yeah, because I think like uh, command zone or anyone. Like, most people will say a tutor for... A universal tutor represents any card in your deck plus the mana cost of the tutor. Yeah. So if you demonic tutor for a um, a ad nauseum and cast it, like, that's just, like, you know, extra ad nauseum in your deck that costs seven instead of five, right? Yeah, and I think um, there was a recent command zone where they were talking about, like, combo, and, and we had a discussion about this, how they were saying, if you tutor, like, so many <laughs> times, you're trying to win, but I don't know. I, I think we're of the uh, the kind of... We're in the kind of games where we might just, like, tutor for a card draw spell. Yeah, they were saying stuff like, like, if you're tutoring, you're tutoring for a combo piece. And, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, really vibe with that, that, uh, mentality. I think, in a lot of games, tutoring for some advantage, card advantage, or something like that is, is, uh, is a play I'll make a lot. Yeah, and I understand, we don't play a lot of combos, so, like, but I even feel like if I was playing a combo deck, and I have my, like, my you, demonic tutor on, on two, turn two, right? Am I going to, like, tutor for my combo piece without the other combo piece in my hand, play the combo piece the next turn, and then just, like, wait? Like, I don't... That doesn't feel like a good play to Bro, me. I play Anji, and I tutor for Squee, because it's an extra card every turn with oh, Anji. Yeah. I do that. Yeah, I get you... Because, like, that card advantage, like, is is more likely to get you... Over, like, a long game, I feel yeah. like it's more likely to get you both the pieces that you need, rather than just having one random combo... I mean, that's also, like, assuming your combo piece isn't very good yeah at that moment. sometimes the combo pieces are just great cards and then oh, you, yeah. then you just get them because they're amazing right so that's the a little bit of a push and pull there um but let's let's go into green real quick um regarded as the best card draw color maybe, by the greater community maybe we have some disagreements with that maybe not who knows but that's a, you know that's digressing at this point um so green does like i mentioned earlier with the mana dork thing green does a good job of They've got these kind of two categories, and that's little creature draw and big creature draw. Yeah, green goes wide or green goes tall. Yep. So the little creature draw is like when you play a green creature or when a creature enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Or maybe even the um, when this creature hits somebody, you draw a card. Stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, like the three mana creatures that do that or something. Yeah. Whereas the big creature draw is like draw a card for each green creature you control. Or sacrifice a green creature and draw equal to its power and discard. Yeah, greater good and Rishkar's expertise, I feel like, are the the best versions of this, and they're insane. Yeah, and you've also got the what, like um, the six mana creatures that will draw for each green creature when they come into play. Do you remember what those are called at all? There's a couple of them. There's oh two. yeah, the Regal Force and uh, and something else, whatever one. it's called. Um, yeah, so those are like your two main ways to draw cards with creatures in green, and those are. Usually the effects that people will um, draw with in green, right? Like, those are, like, how people build their decks in green, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've also got, like, regrowth effects. I know you kind of, you're, you're kind of a fan of regrowth effects, Eli, so why don't you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so I, I have a Gruel Spellslinger deck, and there's obviously, there's plenty of card advantage in red, but it also has this whole theme, like, of regrowths and being able to replay your like want your few card advantage spells or just like your really important spells so something like uh praetor's council yeah that that's a huge card advantage card because it regrows your entire graveyard and it is eight mana but it's just that, that card's in, or like a regrowth that gets back multiple things or even just the right thing it's kind of like uh 
I don't know. It's just it's an interesting form of card advantage, like being able to rummage away your stuff and then regrow it later. It's on that same. I mean, it's it's not the same, but it it kind of has it shares that with a tutor, where a regrowth turns into whatever you know whatever effect you had in your graveyard. It can turn to that, whereas a tutor could turn to anything in your deck, right? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things in that uh, Gruel Spellslinger deck is uh, I'm playing Harmonize and just being able to regrow Harmonize or copy it with like a f- red fork spell. Yeah. Another thing I think you do in there is, um, oh, what's the what's the dredge? Uh, the dredge get three lands. Oh yeah, so this is a this is a pretty unique one. But uh, so if you have life from the loam, thank you, and cycling lands, you can effectively like it's not very mana efficient, but it's it's a really cool engine because both these cards are good on their own. But you can just keep life from the loaming back your cycling lands, and then you cycle them away, and then get, eventually you get your life from the loam back, and then draw some extra cards. Yeah, so I, I learned that from somebody at the old. Uh, elemental game shop and I, I thought that was a really cool thing so i thought well i'm, I'm not playing traditional green card draw because i don't have big creatures or lots of creatures so i'll do something like that yeah and talking about that like traditional green card draw like you know we, you and i you like green most of green's card draw is in the form of those creature effects right yeah but green does have a couple of like one-off card draw or like in like unique card draw effects that i think people will overblow and think like Harmonize kind of stuff, right? Harmonize was a color pie, um, like Ben slash yeah, break. It was color shifted from the uh, the future site. Like set. green doesn't get those effects. Like that 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 the only two that I could come up with on short notice were Harmonize and Sylvan Library as ways to like draw a bunch of cards not related to like creatures or like on one card not yeah, with like an engine. Sylvan right? Library is a weird old ass card that is not something you would ever see they don't really print like um harmonize effects these days like it's really just those two as far as i know yeah i mean i don't know a a ton about green i don't know a lot of green cards but uh you know as a a white or a boros player you have to know your enemy exactly and oftentimes that is a green deck so i've taken to mostly playing like uh like i'll play alms collector in a lot of decks because Typically, the green card draw is pretty reliant on something like a Rishkar's Expertise or a Greater Good. And the ones that aren't, the ones that, re- that you know, are like whenever a thing enters or something, those are removable, right? You can, they're creatures that can die, or they're enchantments which can die. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, also, I we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but green does have that, like, hit people with creatures draw card effects. Yep. I like those. Um, and then last, we've got Creature Tutors. Um, a lot of your green card draw spells are creatures, so creature tutors will get you them. Yeah, like being able to tutor into a regal force. Yeah. Or not not regal force. Regal, yeah. regal force, right? The one you... that draws a bunch of cards when it enters the battlefield, equal the number of green creatures you have. That's regal force, I think. Hopefully. <laughs> Hope so. Something like that. I know what I'm thinking of, but I might have the name wrong. But anyways, yeah. So that's about it for uh, for green. Uh I don't. I really don't think green holds a candle to blue and black. Yeah, no. I think uh, definitely blue and black are, are up are up top there. Green has some engine things it can do with creatures, but it's a little bit more fragile, I guess, in my opinion. That's how I see it. I really think like the best answer to green card draw. I mean, the, less so with the uh, like cast a creature, draw a card type of card, but the uh, the big draw, like the burst all at once draw. Yeah. You can just you can spot remove their biggest creature, but you can't. Like if they have multiple, then you're kind of boned. But yeah, yeah, you can answer that with like a sword supply of shares. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about red next. And 
Something interesting about Red, I think, is that Red really has the least, in, at least in my experience, has the least different kinds of card draw. Like, they have a lot of what they have. They have a lot of impulsive draw they've been making over the last four or five years, right? Yeah, but I, I do feel like uh, within each of these uh, categories or subcategories we have in Red, they're pretty broad in application. Yeah. Like, you could play them in probably most types of decks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, like Red has a lot of impulsive card draw. They've also got, you know, rummaging. We we same similar things to looting, I suppose, that we were talking about earlier. Yep, they got really good rummaging. Yep. Graveyard effects, stuff like that, turns into card advantage. Wheels, which there's actually not that many of, but that is a very strong kind yeah. of card draw. Less around five or less, I think, of like ones that are really playable. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got like the kind of unique um kind of like individual cards that aren't like others. So Humble Defector is one we love a lot. Yeah, Humble yep. D. Um, cards like Underworld Breach are card draw, kind of. It's, uh, it's a really good regrowth effect. Yeah, multiple regrowths. Very yeah. strong, yeah. Uh, a card I like, this is pretty specific, but Sunbird's Invocation is a really strong source of card advantage. Yeah. If you're able to chain off lots of spells or large spells, um, but it is a six-mana enchantment, so probably not going to see a lot of play. But, you know, sometimes that, that can, can find its way in your deck if, if you're either maybe an enchantment deck or some deck that wants to maybe play big things or... I, I'm not entirely sure when... I mean, Sunbirds is a good card. I haven't put enough thought into figure out when I want to play it, but there are certainly decks that would want to play it. Oh, yeah. I'm it's uh, That's one of the... We were talking about goals and things you want to do in a deck, and one of the goals of my Gisela deck is I want to... Put Sunbird's Invocation into play and generate massive amounts of value. Yeah, and and even tempo, I suppose, because you get the casting for free. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think that's about what we have for the card draw, you know, card advantage kind of like uh, overview, I guess. Yeah. So pick your card advantage based on what kind of deck you're building and what you think you need. Like, what's the the CMC of this card draw? Like, what kind of commander do i have exactly and there's there really are so many options that you really can tailor it to what you're trying to do mm-hmm. that's kind of the main point we have here i think mm-hmm. um and then the last thing we have here uh to talk about in this um sort of uh deck building i don't want to use the word template i suppose um just philosophy. suggestions philosophy yeah. is we want to share some deck building resources because you know obviously when you're building a deck don't want to be on your own flipping through a binder or looking at, you know, a pile of commons in a card store. Yeah, you should know how to use the internet. Yeah. It's, it's your friend. I'd recommend it. Um, obviously, Except, well, Magic Twitter's not your friend. Magic That's, Twitter that is... That part of the internet's yeah. not going to help you. That well, they, 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 like you they, make, they want you to think they're your friend. <laughs> and then they get you. Um, no, but like, like Gatherer or Scryfall, obviously, ways to search for cards. Mm-hmm. The, probably the most important resource. Yeah, I'm still trying to wean myself off of Gatherer because Scryfall is a vastly superior service. Yeah, it's, uh, they even have the card images for me whenever I edit these videos, Poggers. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, we would be re- would be remiss if... Is that the correct use of that word? If we did not talk about uh, mm-hmm. EDH Rec? Oh yeah, EDH Rec, like, uh, as much as uh, flack we give it... Uh, I use EDH Rec when I'm looking at a new commander. Yeah, any any time I build a deck or think about building a deck, you 
you check the EDH rec. It's 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 another source of data you can use. Yeah, because mostly what it's doing is it's pulling information from other sites and then just displaying that to you in an easily consumable way. Whereas, like, we're going to mention here uh, deck hosting sites. You can, like, search your commander on something like Tapped Out or Architect. Yeah. And I think EDH rec is just a good way of showing you what those have. Not necessarily Tapped Out, but you could still... You could do a bit of both because it's just hard to like look at an entire deck list and yeah, see like, yeah, oh, yeah. what's this person playing in their deck? Because you don't want to just look at the entire thing necessarily, I think. You could, I mean, and if you wanted to, you could be like, oh, I'm going to go look at, you know, for example, I know uh, I know Dana Roach has like his architect like up to date with like his 400 decks that he has or something, right? You could literally go onto that architect and you could look at all of his decks and see what kind of cards he plays. And you could look through that if you wanted to. It would be a little bit difficult. It would take some time. But you could use that to get ideas. Mm-hmm. So, and and with, same with anybody. You know, you could look at the command zone deck list they have in their descriptions, you know, for their, their, for their uh, Game Nights episodes. Stuff like that. Yeah, and I know a lot of Magic players are probably pretty big on uh, trying to show how unique and clever they are, but I don't think there's any, ever anything wrong with uh, getting a little help from uh, outside sources. Even, like, uh, in-person sources, so if, or even, like, online. Like, talk to your friends if you have any. Um, I know Magic players, uh, like you and I, Eli, we don't have friends. Um, but, you know what I mean. Like, feel free to talk to people, even on, if you want to talk on, on like, a, the public discourse in, like, uh, you know, social media, like Reddit or Facebook or, you know, Twitter or something, like, People will post stuff like, hey, I want some ideas. Help me out. Yeah, like I, I was joking earlier. If you go on like Magic Twitter and ask for suggestions for a deck or like if you go on Reddit or something, there will be people who respond to you and try to give you suggestions be- just because mostly I think... It's an ego I, thing. It, it feels good to do that thing like be like, oh, see, I thought of this yeah. that you did not think of. So this is cool. And, and sometimes that's going to be helpful. People like sharing their, their knowledge, right? Like you like, you know, it makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's not helpful. Sometimes you d- disagree, <laughs> like how we disagree with everything. Ha ha ha. No, um, I think that's that's more or less what we got for a lot of this uh, deck building talk. Unless you have something else that yeah, I missed, that, Eli. That is the process. That's a look behind the scenes. So I will. I think I'm going to try using this process when I build, you know, that samurai deck for my friend that I was uh, discussing earlier. Yeah, and I'm going to see if I can put together my, my five-color, three-drops deck. But uh, five-color decks are uh, kind of expensive. Yeah, they're hard I to build. I might have to get some new proxies. Because I have a decent amount of fetch lands and shock lands and stuff, but they are in my decks. So. And it's, yeah. Yep. Well, all right, Eli. What do you say we uh, talk about something outside of the world of magic? Or by that, I mean outside of the world of what we're talking about today in this discussion. Very epic. Some news. Still magic, guys. I was I was just kidding. We're still some, talking about magic. Some hot news. So, what do you want to talk about first, Eli? Well, so, February 7th, my birthday, we got the February 2022 ban list update for Commander. Yeah. And so, rules, there were no changes. Cards banned or unbanned, no changes. And I think this is a really nice thing. Because I think some people were... Uh, we're a little concerned. There was a really big, um, so it was, I, I think Eli, we had talked about this in the past, and the big card that I think everyone was talking about was Dockside Extortionist. And I think we were like, you know, like, not like whether we want it to be banned or not, but the odds of it getting banned, I think we were both on like, it's honestly like a 50-50. Like, I, I would not have been surprised if it got banned. Well, yeah, I, 
I wouldn't, if you asked me a year ago if I thought something was going to get banned, I probably would have said no. But ever since the last couple of announcements... The Golos ban? I fe- it feels to me like the, the ban list changes have been more aggressive since the inception of the Commander Advisory Group. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're responsible for that or anyone's to blame or, or that even that is even necessarily a bad thing. I think there's a lot of people that would say uh, more aggressive bannings are a good thing. Yeah. But ever since the Golos ban, I just really like... It I just kinda... feel like I don't know anymore. Because the Golos banning and the Worldfire unbanning was really something... I don't think I could have guessed that. So it was funny because we did a we did our... our um rules committee or not rules i think what our our commander ban list episode or whatever or oh yeah how's the ban list work we did that episode like a month or something before the the golos ban and one thing that we had discussed is you know it seems like they haven't been banning things very much recently or they they take a lot you know it takes a lot to ban something and then we kind of got you know kind of pie thrown in our face there when they it kind of flipped the script like right away like a month later yeah because i think we did that one after the whole breacher ban yeah and and that's that's a card I feel like most people, if you show them that card and you talk to them, get their opinion on it, they could be like, you know, what, I even if I, I don't, it. if I don't agree that this card should be banned, I can at least see the perspective of people thinking that it should be yeah, banned. Yeah, or when they did the fl- the, the the Flash Hulk ban, you know, they banned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the uh, Golos and Worldfire, I was just like, Man, I don't, I don't know anymore. I yeah, thought maybe... I, I thought I knew. I don't know anymore. Yeah. So that's why it's it's kind of unclear. We were kind of unsure about this ban list, what was going to happen, but. Yeah, no changes. And uh, and Dockside Extortionist definitely it fits the uh, criteria of cards like Primeval Titan. Yeah, where it's when it's played, it becomes that card that everyone either has to target or interact with in some way, or they want to steal it or reanimate it, or and clone it just it, or... it it makes the game revolve around it. Yeah, and so that's a card I could definitely see as being in uh, in, the, in the in the running for yeah. being in the talk about talk about it. Yeah, but it has survived. Uh, Another ban announcement. Eli, now 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 that we know that Dockside is not banned, do you want to go into some conspiracy here real quick? Well, so the the assumption I think would be that since there's increased communication between the rules committee and Wizards of the Coast, that it's possible they know it's getting reprinted soon. And I don't think it would be a great look to reprint Dockside Extortionist as a rare or mythic rare in a future like premium product. If it got banned. And then have it be banned because then what's the uh what's the value you of it? You don't play it in anything. Literally nothing. Yeah, is that is that even like a like a cube playable card? No, I don't think it's in cubes. Like, yeah, so what do you do with your Dockside extortionist then? So maybe so maybe maybe that means we'll get a Dockside reprint soon if it didn't get banned, right? Hopefully. I mean, can't say for certain, but if it's going to be a part of the format, it definitely should get a reprint though. That's definitely. That's, yeah, definitely. It's, it's what a uh, 50 plus dollars. 50 or more, yeah. It's insane. Okay, well... But yeah, um, the main thing we want to talk about here was there was some uh, little controversy on online and, like, I think Reddit and Twitter a little bit because, yeah. uh, you know, people are a little apt to uh, misinterpret people's actions and what they say. Um, there, was hmm. a, there was a paragraph in their announcement where they... they I'm going to read this, uh, this paragraph or at least summarize it here. It says, there are... Several cards which are popular topics of concern on the internet, such as Tegrid, God of Fright, Dockside Extortionist, and Thassa's Oracle, but none of them have reached problematic levels of play in our target demographic, which is games governed by a strong social contract. And the reaction to this, um, specifically that target demographic part, 
the the reaction from a lot of players that I saw on Twitter was, oh, what do you mean? The format isn't for me? The tar- I'm not the tar- tar- target demographic? Like, that was, like, the, initial, the, the gut reaction. And then, I think that's just ridiculous. Like... Sheldon even had to make a clarifying tweet as to, as to what that meant, even though it was it was pretty obvious. Yeah, I yeah. Think, Sheldon right? tweeted, uh, "Commanders' target demographic are players who are willing to take their opponents' enjoyment of the game into account when building slash starting slash playing games." Please note that this is independent of power level. I mean, that seems pretty ubiquitous for just about every commander player I can think of, right? It, it, it's a pretty low bar to take other players' enjoyment into account. Even a little bit, like while doing it, but doing something, yeah. right? Like I feel like people the, do that. The main concern people had was them them saying the thing about a target demographic being people who are able to use a social contract strongly, or like something like Rule Zero. Is people took that to mean you're saying the rules committee doesn't account for like LGS play with strangers? They were saying like the rules committee. Oh, you're not even going to try to balance it because Rule Zero. That wasn't what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That was that was a a discourse I was not keen on, personally. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess that's something that uh, that a lot of people have against the rules committee is like we had the the episode talking about rule zero and how the idea of that and something like the social contract is used as kind of a, a little bit of a shield, a buffer, a, a catch all, like a buffer against certain criticisms or decisions, uh, but. I mean, as we talked about on our uh, first episode of the year, like the thing the professor said, where Commander is just a broken format. Yeah, and it's just it's just not going to work. You have to pretend that it it works, and I think uh, you kind of have to put some onus on the players to make it work, and you have to be able to have a certain level of empathy and understanding about what you think people will enjoy to have enjoyable games. I think I would agree with all that. Yeah. Unless you, your number one goal is just winning all the time, in which case, if that's how you have your fun, like, and you're willing to be in situations where you're, you don't care if other people are miserable, like, that's, but that's that, your that, fun. That makes sense to me, though, what Sheldon was saying. It, it makes sense that their target demographic is not people who are necessarily trying to, like, cause the least enjoyment possible, right? Like, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, why would, why would you balance the format... With, like, four people that are not uh, trying to, you know, have people have fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so why don't we talk about the other uh, the other big news in the Commander uh, content creation sphere in the oh, last, yeah. couple, so last couple weeks. If you haven't noticed on the last couple episodes of the Command Zone podcast, our boy Jimothy, he has not been there. But why? What happened to him? I don't think they said anything on the podcast so far, but he had a baby. He tweeted about it, yeah. Congratulations, Jimmy. Congratulations, Jimmy. You're a father. Good luck. God, Godspeed. I know we're all like, when a Magic player has a child, you think, oh, this is this is pretty dangerous. I mean, like, we, we probably shouldn't allow that. It's not safe, but, yeah. you know, good for him. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah, see yeah. how it... <laughs> no, really, yeah, yeah, nice for him. That's a That's a nice thing. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll be back on the podcast. Yeah, hopefully after we'll get his, him uh, maternity leave or hopefully whatever. Hopefully we'll get him back soon, so we can get get some goofs and gaffs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We miss you, Jim Jimster, Jim Jimmy Boy. Yeah, Josh has been having to take out his anger on 
on people Murph, like, like and Murph and Jake Joss and, and yeah. Jordan. Yeah, unfortunate. But <laughs> uh, I digress with that. Um, so that's cool. Uh, anything else that you want to to discuss before we end the episode? Uh, do you want do you want to talk about? Um, I just we, we didn't look at the cards yet, but just as we're doing this podcast, I think they they released unless it was fake, they released the uh, the Street Fighter um, commanders that just uh, the Street Fighter crossover commanders. Oh yeah, this Secret Layer Street Fighter that's a thing happening soon. I don't want to say too much about that, but I but do you think that just let, let's do predictions if you're willing, Eli? Mm-hmm. A prediction that I want to get your your answer on. Do you think there is going to be the same outrage for these, or similar outrage as there was for? I haven't looked at the cards yet, but for the Walking Dead uh, Secret Lair, people being very upset at that. So we curate our Twitter feed pretty carefully, but I have seen nothing but positivity about it. It's getting to the point like the, the Stranger Things one came out. I didn't see any negativity about that. Street Fighter's coming out. I've seen nothing but people getting excited about that. So do you think we're past that? I'm starting to wonder if the Walking Dead fiasco was the result of just Mitch being really upset about it from the Commander's Quarters. And then riling up like his fan base and part of his community. And then like making it seem like a bigger deal than it really was. Yeah, because I sure. think since that, everyone has sort of been like... Like, shut up, Mitch. Like, we're not listening to you anymore. Yeah, I, from my re- recollection, Mitch was the really big guy in that. And also, like, I don't... And I don't know how much of this crossover is there, but it was a lot of, like, Reddit. Yeah. Like, and I don't know, you know, if they're the same people or not, but... So, I... At least what we're seeing... And may, maybe we... Maybe players just haven't learned about, you know... Maybe they haven't figured out what to be mad about yet. So, maybe... Maybe we'll have a second wave of, of anger. Um, yeah, we'll see. I look forward to uh, seeing it. But I also don't look forward to seeing it. Um, but you know, besides that, I mean, it's all it's about. It's been it's been a good year so far. I think. I mean, yeah. it's only it's only been a month and a half, but uh, I think things are going all right. We got a we got a cool new set coming out. Uh, actually, well, the pre-release happened last week, but the set should be coming out uh, Kamigawa next week, right? Yeah, this I think, Friday. I think this Friday. Yeah. yeah. Excited to get some cards from there. I think I may be going back to the uh, local game store for the first time in a long time based we'll see we'll see how the weather is but yeah so let us know if you got any uh interesting um things to say about our deck building uh yeah how do you go about your deck building process like what's what are your steps like what do you start with and where do you end yeah also you know if you want to share uh about if you got something you're really excited about in kamigawa you can talk about that if you want whatever you want to talk about we like talking about things so Mm -hmm. we'll probably respond to you yeah um, but anyway, that, this has been Spencer Cook. Yeah, I've been Elijah Samuelson. Yeah, give us a follow on uh, on Twitter. Uh, give us a subscribe, a like, dislike, comment, absolutely. Uh, and we will be back later this month.